You're listening to Devotions with Pastor Daniel Williams, taken from the Redemption Church YouTube channel. Well, hey everyone, welcome back to these live devotionals as we get into God's Word together. I'm excited to continue our journey, our venture of studying through the book of Acts, Paul's second missionary journey. Today we're going to look at the work in Philippi, the work of Philippi that God did in not only uh, the city, but people, real life people, um, the origin story of the church being planted in Philippi, Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 34. We're going to walk through, so you may want your Bible. I'm going to read a lot of scripture for you. So if you're listening or driving, man, this is great for you to be able to hear God's word. So glad you're with us, studying uh, the word with us. Last time we picked up our study, we saw a person in Philippi get saved uh, from the gospel. It was Lydia. And this was Paul's strategy, his way to make an impact in a culture, in people's lives, which should be our strategy as well. He was preaching the gospel. And he was telling people about Jesus, how he came according to scripture, that it was the father's plan and will and love that sent Jesus, his son, to come to this world to die for our sins. And three days later, he rose again uh, to be able to forgive our sin, to give us eternal life, to have a right relationship with God. Then the spirit of God dwells with us. Uh, man, let's remind ourselves to keep the gospel simple because it is the power of God to save. And it is this preaching of the gospel that impacts not only people's lives like Lydia, but lives like you and like me as we continue to look through the lens of the gospel, this glorious grace that God has for us. We can be forgiven. We can have eternal life. Uh, man, God is making all things new and he's coming back again. He's going to rule and reign for all eternity. Uh, these truths need to be anchors to our soul that we need to remind ourselves over and over and over again. And so out of this, this gospel work came a healthy, thriving church, a life-giving church. And Paul would write to them even 10 years later to the church in Philippi, it was the book of Philippians, four chapters of instruction. Philippians 1.5 says that he that they became partners uh, with Paul in the gospel from the first day until now. And Paul would have a great connection with this church and great affection for this church. Philippians 1.8 says, For God is my witness, Paul would say, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And so this makes sense, right? Uh, I found that uh, you become close or tight with the people you serve with. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born in adversity. Uh, these were gospel partners of Paul, the church in Philippi. Uh, oftentimes, friends are born in through adversity, and they're sacrificially giving, uh, wanting to spread the gospel, and in partnership with Paul. Uh, those that you walk life with, those that you serve together and sacrifice and serve the Lord together, uh, you become very close with. And we see this relationship with Paul and the church in Philippi. And we're going to see this today because it wasn't just their sacrificial giving, but Paul actually actually went through a lot more adversity uh, in Philippi with them. Um, the church and the work started to Philippi, surprisingly, maybe to you, but not to God through adversity. Uh, God still moved in a powerful way in this leading city in the district of Macedonia, even though Paul is about to discover there was opposition to the gospel. So let's just walk through this text. Acts chapter 16. Uh, we'll start in verse 16. We'll go to 34. And just to see how God uh, started with the gospel work of his grace in an actual uh, leading district, Roman colony uh, in Macedonia, the city of Philippi. Let's read verse 16. 17. 
It says, as we were going to the place of prayer, remember that's where they met Lydia. We were met by a slave girl. There's another lady in this town uh, who had the spirit of divination. It's witchcraft. It's demonic. And they brought her owners much gain. Uh, and and she uh, her she bought owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, "These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation." And this she kept doing for many days. Let's stop there and pause, and we're going to read and reflect uh, to just get the best and most out of this study. Paul and his missionary team, Silas and Timothy, at this point. Um, and then Luke is writing in this uh, historical account of Acts of what's happening. He's saying, hey, this lady was following us. Uh, he was. They went to this place of prayer, this low-hanging fruit opportunity that God gave them to share the gospel uh, where they met Lydia. And Lydia, her household, had been saved now. Um, and they were discipling. Remember, Lydia begged them, prevailed that they would stay. And so they did. And they were proclaiming the gospel and they were doing a work. And all of a sudden we see another character now in Philippi. Uh, this isn't Lydia. This is another slave girl, um, another girl who is a slave and she has a demon. Uh, she's possessed. She's a demoniac. And so this demon possessed slave uh, cries out about these men and this team that are doing this gospel work. These men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now, what's interesting about this, uh, to me at least, is that this girl who's possessed is declaring truth. This was all true what she was saying, but it, it makes me think just because you declare truth doesn't mean you are saved or even from God. You remember what James chapter two, verse 19 says, he says, you believe that God is one. Will you do well? But even demons believe and they shudder. And the whole idea is that our belief and our, our faith needs to have action. Uh, demons would often declare truth about Jesus in his ministry, but it didn't mean that they were saved. No, there needs to be repentance. And I think this is important for us because for us, we need to make sure uh, that we don't just go about um, the motions as Christians and just declaring truths without actually thinking, repenting and having heart change. Uh, we need to walk in repentance because our faith needs to lead to action. And so this girl is speaking truth, but she's not repenting. She's just saying what's true. And there's not really great impact in her life because she's still possessed by a demon. So the story goes on. What's interesting in verse 18 is Paul gets annoyed by this. In verse 18, it says, and this she kept doing for many days, having become greatly annoyed, Paul turned and said to her, uh, to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Uh, what Paul does is he cast out a demon, a miraculous thing uh, that only God can do from this girl. Now we know this demon had real power. Uh, the text says that she did deviation, which brought forth a lot of fun. She was a fortune teller. She did witchcraft. And you have to understand this. Demonic activity is a powerful thing. Uh, spiritual opposition is real and people are still possessed. But I want you to notice something too. God's power was so much greater. 
And this is what we need to understand even today when there's oppression and um, possession of demonic activity and demons in people that God is greater than any demonic force. First John 4, 4 says, little children, you are from God and overcome him for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You see, we are able to rebuke demonic activity in Jesus name. And we want to make sure it's in Jesus name, his authority, the Lord rebuke you, the scripture says. And this is what Paul did. He cast out the demon and it came out of her. And ultimately we say, praise God. Uh, Think about how much uh, possession uh, affects people today. It does. And people can be uh, saved by Jesus. Uh, Think about how much oppression happens through the the, the demonic activity. Think about what the Bible says of false lies and how the enemy works of um, opposition or um, doctrines of demons. And yet God is able to grace, uh, to have authority, to have power over these things. Now, again, notice another observation here. Not all PR is good PR. Not all PR is good PR. This point actually got brought out about by Pastor Josh as I was in the footsteps of Paul tour. And he was just bringing up this point, which I thought was so good that Paul didn't want anything to do with the PR coming from this demon possessed girl. She had said it. He got annoyed. No more. Don't do it. Uh, And what we, she was saying was true. It wasn't like she was lying. And you would think that he would want to make a big splash in this new city as he started a church, but this PR actually annoyed him and he didn't go after this type of attention. Why? Well, because Paul didn't want to be associated with the devil's program. I, I think you have to understand not all attention is good attention. Not all PR is good, good PR, you know, for, for maybe if you're a church planner or a church plant, uh, we don't just want to go after PR, uh, by any means necessary. Um, not all attention is good attention and not just draw, drawing a crowd is the best thing sometimes. And certainly we don't want the devil promoting our work because that's what she was doing. Even though she was promoting it, the person behind that, Uh, that person was a demonic force and Paul didn't want anything to do with it. This is important for us because, you know, social media is so popular right now. And I feel like even in the church world, uh, everyone wants to have influence and advertise things. But as churches and pastors, uh, is this the best use of our time? Uh, It's makes sense as, as a, as a leader, as a Christian, is that the best use of your time? Now, certainly not if you're neglecting prayer and the word, Uh, This should be first and foremost of seeking God and then proclaiming him. That's what our mission as a church is pursuing God, pursuing Jesus, then proclaiming him. And there's an order to it. You need to have strength. Uh, Too often we want to do all this peripheral things and get influence in in our own flesh and working up stuff um, rather than going to the basics of seeking God, letting the Lord work. Now, I don't think social media is wrong. It's bad. I don't think PR advertising is bad, but I understand that there is an order. And I understand that, um, advertising isn't our savior. Uh, We're going to do door hangers this Saturday to go pass out door hangers, neighborhoods, and let people know that we exist as a church, that we want to give them God's word and make disciples, teach the Bible. And we meet at this certain time in this location. This is not a bad thing. Um, but I also understand that, uh, I have priorities. And as a pastor, I need to spend time praying, spend time in the word, teaching people. And if I neglect my time with that, it's going to be a problem. If I just do a whole bunch of door hangers or advertising and you need to have balance. And Paul wanted to make sure 
um, that he didn't just fall into this trap of getting good, good, this just PR. Now I know a lot of great churches that are making a huge impact and honestly their influence, what we would say, quote unquote influence is terrible. They have a terrible website then there's no social media presence, but lives are being changed. That's what I want to get at from this point. You see, uh, let's make sure that we prioritize our work, rely on God, and not just a thing of, of the flesh, but of the Spirit. We can do advertising, we can have PR, but it needs to be through the Spirit, and by the power of the Spirit, lives are changed. And so, um, man, um, you know, share the social media feed, do the post, but seek God and, and preach the gospel. Uh, that's first and foremost. And so, we continue on and see what uh, should have happened in this incredible work is this girl is now being freed from demonic oppression. Um, uh, there should have been a whole bunch of praise and rejoicing, but actually there was protest against this and great opposition towards Paul. Let's read on in verse 19, 19 through 24, this paragraph. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. Pretty telling that these people cared more about money um, their hope to gain than this actual girl. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for is for us as Romans to accept our practice. And the crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrate magistrates tore the clothes off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Uh, this is crazy. A girl gets freed from demonic uh, possession and they didn't rejoice. No, the owners actually got mad. They bring up accusations and lies against Paul. He says the advocate... Uh, uh, they advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept and practice. Now, this was a lie. Uh, they were actually just advancing the kingdom of God, preaching the gospel and lies were being changed. That's what actually in the spirit was happening. But in a spiritual sense, this sort of was true that their customs were against the Roman Empire because they wanted the gospel tells us that our allegiance needs to go to Jesus first and foremost, uh, that um the gospel is an offense to our flesh that we have to repeat, uh, re not repeat, but repent and have allegiance to Jesus and his kingdom. And so um, it did go against their sinful customs, their ways. And, and we see this biblically. Uh, we need to understand this, that the gospel takes an offense. Uh, people don't just all embrace it, but it actually goes to the heart and pierces people's heart and uh, and stings a little bit against their flesh. Why? Because Galatians 5.17 says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Uh, these things oppose each other, and we as Christians submit our will to the Father in allegiance, in submission, in uh, leaning towards the Spirit and having life. But if you don't submit, it's going to be hard, and you're going to be butting heads. And I can just guarantee you, everyone, you're not going to win against God. And so we see the Spirit and the flesh play out here in this text as the slave owners. Um, in a work of the flesh, get mad and go after Paul. And the crowd, uh, well, they beat Paul and Silas, and they threw them in prison. And it was so 
awesome and crazy. I'll have a video at the end of this Bible study in our YouTube channel. Um, just actually seeing the prison that Paul was in. He got thrown in prison for for uh, the gospel in Philippi, and we were there doing a Bible study. It was amazing. Now, you would think that serving Jesus and preaching the gospel would bring luxury, not prison. But God, uh, man, he wanted, he warned Paul in Acts chapter 9, Paul's testimony. Jesus said, you're going to suffer a lot for me. And this warning doesn't just go for Paul, but it goes to us as Christians. We can't just expect luxury. We're going to have to expect pain in this life, suffering. John 15, 20 says, remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they also will persecute you. Uh, we need to understand the truth of God's word in situations in life because it really can help us. I think that uh, if things, if I think things are just easy and then they get a little hard, I'm going to get all bumpy and shaky and, and get thrown off. But the Bible never tells us that. It tells us to have a, a mind set on Christ and a mentality to prepare ourselves for the hard things to come. That things are difficult. You know, I think that's just why God blesses those people that serve on mission trips. Because you do a lot of prep meetings. Um, you do a lot of uh, understanding their spiritual warfare. And you literally are sleeping on like a bunk bed. Not eating your preference, but you still have a great time because of your attitude. Your attitude matters. Sometimes it's not what happens to you. It's how you respond. And so you're because the mindset on a mission trip is to serve, is to be a blessing because you're on a mission, right? Um, you're able to adjust to the things that are uncomfortable and serve the Lord. And I think this should be our life. This is why we... Um, need to realize that we are citizens of heaven, not citizens here on this earth to keep our mind on things above. When we realize that this earth is not our home, that we are to serve like Christ, that we are on mission, that God has sent us, or we have this mindset to help us have a good attitude and it actually helps us. And this biblical mindset helped Paul and Silas, as we see next, as they start actually singing and rejoicing. Listen to 25 through 30. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison uh, were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds was unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called the for light and rushed in and trembled with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? Uh, we'll stop there because that's a lot to take in, especially not just reading, but mentally. These guys just got beat. They're in prison. It didn't go probably what they had thought. And yet, because of their attitude, because they knew the call that God had on them, they were able to respond appropriately. Uh, this was a work of the Spirit because the flesh, I can guarantee, did not want them uh, to have pain and be uncomfortable and be beaten. But you know what? In the Spirit, you can do some great things. Uh, I'm sure the Spirit of God brought Jesus' words to Paul and Silas in this moment, where Jesus said in Matthew 5, 11, 12, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and other all kinds of evil things against you, falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for you, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
The Spirit of God reminds us of truth as we go through things, and it helps us have a mindset and attitude of framework. Whatever things are lovely, pure, think on these things, and the peace of God will rule your heart, Paul said in Philippians 4. And these prisoners, they heard this and, and saw what was happening and didn't leave. You know, in that region, Macedonia area, Philippi, northern Greece, there's it's on a titanic plates or tectonic plates and um it, there's a lot of earthquakes and you can just think well well there was just an earthquake and and um you know this is a pretty natural thing no this was a supernatural thing because there was an earthquake but their uh shackles just fell off as well so even if the earthquake was natural uh, god's hand was on this and i think the p the prisoners knew this because it's not natural this was an outward thing they were praising god and it made great impact on them, so much so that they didn't just bounce and leave and just run off. And so the jailer, he thought that was the natural response, that these prisoners would all just be gone after this earthquake and just uh, they had the opportunity just to leave. And so he was about to sentence, um, he was about to kill himself because he knew he'd be sentenced to death if any of the prisoners left. But Paul cries out with a great loud voice, I'm sure, don't, don't do it. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. And this made a huge impression on the jailer. So now he's bowing and saying, well, man, what must I do to be saved? Now let's pause and stop here and just get a practical application point with some lessons. Uh, lesson like this. Don't underestimate your life um, and you following Jesus through the power of spirit. Don't underestimate your life and you just following Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because just as Paul and Silas were living in tune to the word of God and the spirit of God rejoicing, so can we, so can we. And guess what? Just as people are watching Paul and Silas, people are watching us. Paul said, we're like a living epistle. Sometimes we're the only gospel that people ever see. And so as we do so, it is a powerful witness to other people around us. You know, when my dad, he went through radiation, still praising God. Uh, because he was going through cancer and he just knew, hey, I, I tr trust God. That's a powerful witness. Or I think about Robin even before he got ordained at our church, how he was um, going through a lot and suffering so much. And, and one of the reasons I wanted him to be an elder at our church, because he suffered so well. He was a godly example, serving as a single dad, uh, faithfully going and pressing into Jesus. What a good good example. Don't forget, you're, you could be a good example if you're a parent, if you're a friend. First um, Peter 3.15 tells us that we should actually prepare ourselves as Christians when we're following after Jesus because people will be watching and they'll understand that there's something different about us. It says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord, our holy as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. And this jailer asked, hey, what, what do I need to be saved? How, how do I have what you have? I know that I'm lost because if this happened to me, I was going to kill myself. But you guys clearly, you have something different than I do. This is the best evangelistic strategy ever. People coming to you and saying, how can I be saved? But notice that comes when we honor God first. When we live a life that is worthy to be coming to and asking for truth. Uh, this happens when we honor the Lord and live for Jesus. And so as you do, be ready. It's an important lesson we need to learn. And this is why friendship evangelism is so effective and fruitful because people actually see the life uh, that's lived uh, in you and want to 
emulate that and have what you have. So be ready for the hope that's in you. They see the lives that we have up close and what it's like to follow Jesus. And hopefully it brings them to Christ, not further away. And so Paul answers him in verse 31 through 34. And we'll close with this last section. He says, and they are, they say, um, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the jailer says, sir, what must I do to be saved? And they say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he baptized them at once. He and all his family then he brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he rejoiced among with his entire household that he had believed in God. Man, what a, what a testimony. They share the gospel. They told him to believe in Jesus. Like John 1.12 says, if you believe in him, he gave you the right to become children of God. They say, hey, this is the gospel. Jesus came according to scripture, died in according to scripture. Uh, but you must repent. You must have faith. You must believe for his atonement for your life, for his sacrifice for your life. Just like you must repent. You must believe for your own salvation. The Bible says if you believe, you could be saved that Jesus not only died, but rose again. And he'll give you a resurrected body like him. But you have to believe. You have to put your faith in Christ. This is how salvation comes through grace alone, by faith alone. And so he and his whole household get saved. And I love that because this message isn't just for him. It isn't just for uh, this demoniac girl or Lydia. It's for all. It wasn't just for the jailer. It was for the prisoners. It was for those in his household. And his household responds and they all get baptized. Uh, baptism is a outward thing that happened in his heart. It's a public declaration of your profession and faith in Jesus. I would encourage you, if you haven't been baptized, let people know. Let people know that you uh, that God has done something in your heart, that you're now new, a new creation in Christ, that your identity is following him and not the way of your flesh, but the way of the spirit. And he and his household get saved. They get baptized. And again, God worked through the apostle Paul. It's amazing that God works through people and can work through people like you and me, like the apostle Paul and like Silas and Timothy. Philippi reminds us of this. This work in Philippi was a work of God, and God wants to use imperfect people to reach other imperfect people. And that's what Paul was doing. He was an imperfect person, but by the mercy and grace of God, empowered by the Spirit, was preaching the gospel, making disciples, and God wants to still do that today. You don't have to be an apostle, Paul, but you could be a child of God, making great impact and influence for the world. And so I would encourage you to do that. Be a witness for Jesus. Live for him. And as an overflow of your heart, as people see that, be ready to give an answer. Uh, because you know what? You can have the mindset of Christ. And even if you go through opposition, persecution, things are hard in this life. But you can still rejoice. You can still praise God. So keep living for Jesus through the ups and through the downs. And point others to him as he gives you opportunity to.